So are you hot, cold, or somewhere in the middle? Uh, as a kid, I remember a conversation with my parents, and they were talking about how somebody got fired from a job. Now, I was acquainted with fire. It had flames, it was hot, and you could get burnt. I could not understand how someone could be fired from a job. It made absolutely no sense at all to me. They were also talking a different time about someone in who I think it was a teacher that when they had taught four years, they got tenure. And I'm going, if you teach four years, how do you get credit for 10 years? It didn't make any sense to me at all. There is a word that I have used well into my adult life, and it is called peruse. I use that word on occasion, and I knew what it meant. It meant to skim something and to read it briefly, casually, and not deeply. Until I understood the meaning of the word peruse, which means just the stinking opposite. Where it means you read something voraciously. You delve into it deeply. You cover everything you can as you peruse something. And I didn't find out about the definition of peruse until just a very few years ago. You're welcome, ta-da. I didn't know that. When I was a kid, I don't, I cannot recall how many times that I had fingernail polish on my arms and on my legs. Everybody knows that chiggers, when they bite you, that they burrow under your skin. And the way you get rid of chiggers, since they burrow under your skin, is to cover up the hole where they dug into your skin and starve those little critters of oxygen. So you put fingernail polish on the hole where the chigger bit you. Never mind the reality that chiggers do not burrow under your skin at all, ever. What they do is they bite you, they put into you some kind of magic potion that makes you nice and tasty, and they chew a while, and then they leave. And after they've gone, never having burrowed under your skin, you start itching. Now what chiggers do, do for sure, is when they see someone that has fingernail polish on their skin, they point and laugh. That's what they do. I am a fan of truth. I would rather hear even a negative truth than I would a comforting lie. If I am going from point A to point B, and between point A and point B is a bridge, I don't want to hear that the bridge separating me from point A to point B is out, unless, of course, that bridge is out. 
because as I'm driving along at my regular rate of speed and I find out, ah, the bridge is out, that's not a good thing. So I would rather hear the negative truth and know to deal with that. Now, if I cross my legs like this in this country, we think nothing of it. I mean, you're just, I'm just relaxing. But if you were to go to a, a Middle Eastern country or some countries in Asia, and you were a person that was over there like Rick is, then I have just insulted the person who is staring at the bottom of my shoe. So what is true in one country may not necessarily be true in another country. <laughs> Each of us interprets what we take in. We have a filtering system. We filter all of the information we take in through our knowledge, through what we've learned, through our background, through our experience, and through our understanding. Now, if part of my filtering system is something that is not true, like chiggers burrow under your skin, then I may use perfectly fine logic and come up with a totally wrong conclusion. Oh, since chiggers burrow under my skin, if I suffocate those critters, they'll die. I want to know the truth, and I want to have correct understanding. Most of the time, what we read in the Bible makes perfectly fine sense to us. But sometimes, things we read in the Bible don't make, it's not really what we think they say. And that's because we're taking what we read in the Bible and we're interpreting Bible times thinking with today's thinking. We're taking our logic and the way we think today and put it back on Bible times knowledge and try to interpret it that way. It doesn't necessarily work. What does that kind of thinking have to do with what we're going to do this morning? If you're interested in turning to the book we're looking at, it will be on the screen, but I know some of you really enjoy having it in front of you. Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. Revelation 3, 14. It's the book that is right before maps at the end. Of the seven messages Jesus gave to seven churches in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, we are looking at the seventh of seven churches today, the Christians in Laodicea. The church at Laodicea is the only church of the seven churches that received no words of praise from Jesus. None. The other six churches, they received some praise. The Christians in Laodicea received zero praise from him. 
Jesus speaks to the Laodicean Christians. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And so Jesus has just identified himself. And now he speaks to the Christians in Laodicea. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one, either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Truth in the 21st century. Hot is good. Basketball illustration. If some guy or gal is playing basketball and everything they throw up goes in, they are said to be hot. Doesn't matter. Everything they throw up is going in and so they are hot. We all know that cold is bad. Basketball illustration again. If everything some person throws up is a brick and it doesn't go in, it falls short, it clangs off the rim, we know that that shooter is cold. We even have Jesus telling us that being spiritually cold is wrong. It's not good. Matthew 24, 12, Jesus said this, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But with the Christians in Laodicea, is cold actually bad? We'll check that out in a moment. Hot, cold, lukewarm. Who wants lukewarm coffee? Who wants lukewarm Mountain Dew? Nobody wants that kind of stuff. So what about cold? If cold is bad for the Laodiceans, then why did Jesus tell them that he wanted for them to be either cold or hot? If cold is bad, why did Jesus say be either cold or be hot? Don't be lukewarm, be either cold or hot. Revelation 3.15. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Let's dig a little further. The Lycus Valley, you will find that Laodicea is there. Six miles to the north of Laodicea is Hierapolis. Hierapolis is noted for their therapeutic hot mineral springs. Everybody knows about that place and their hot mineral springs. Nine miles to the east, we have Colossae. Colossae is near mountains. Colossae has some of the freshest and coldest water that you could ever want to drink. Is it possible? I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one 
or the other. Using Bible times thinking and not putting stuff on them with our thinking from the 21st century, is it possible that Jesus was using the illustration of hot and cold because he knew the Laodiceans would know of the Hierapolis hot water and the Colossae cold water, and he would know that they could relate to that and would understand that whenever he is talking to them about something that's neither hot nor cold and lukewarm, they would know exactly what he is talking about, a vivid image in their mind of what they as lukewarm do not want to be. And they are lukewarm because of their deeds. I'm going to play Captain Obvious here. How are your deeds? How you live? Is what you do on a daily basis impressing Jesus? The things that you do that no one sees, does Jesus like that? Does he approve of that? Or are you blending into the crowd at certain times, times when you really should be hot or cold, but you blend in with everyone else because maybe you don't want somebody to say something bad about you? Do we tend to, when we hear God's Spirit speak to us, do we tend to put Him off and say, I'll do that maybe later? How are your deeds? Are you doing the deeds that Jesus likes so that he'll notice that you are hot or cold? Based on your deeds, would Jesus spit you out of his mouth? Are you hot or cold or somewhere in the middle? He continues. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. Well, is that me? Am I saying something like that? I'm not one of the wealthiest people I know of. There are people all around me who have a lot more money than I do. And, and compared, however, to people outside of this country or people in different places around the world, even the poorest of us is wealthy compared to others. With what I have or what I'm working to achieve, am I relying on what I'm accumulating, what I have or will accumulate? Am I achieving the American dream? Yay, go for it. Is that the dream that Jesus wants for me? And so we'll ask it again. Is the American dream, the dream that Jesus wants for you and me? You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. 
Laodicea was a very wealthy city. There was a devastating earthquake that did tremendous destruction in 61 AD. The Roman Empire government offered to help the Laodiceans rebuild. They turned it down and used their own money to rebuild their city. Laodicea was noted for three basic things. Number one, their textile industry, making cloth. They were known for their banking industry. They were known for their medical school. People in Laodicea, and that would include the Laodicean Christians, were wealthy, genuinely wealthy by the world's standards. But when Jesus uses his standards and his guidelines, looking at the Laodiceans, though they considered themselves wealthy, did he consider them to be wealthy? He did not. He said they were wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. How does Jesus view your riches? Does he see that you are rich in the things of this world? Or does Jesus see into your heart and how you live and see that you are rich in things that are heavenly? What did Jesus say the Laodicean Christians need? He said they needed three things. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. I counsel you to obtain white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And I want you to obtain salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Even with their famous banking system, Laodicea's worldly wealth was not good enough for Jesus. What did he say they needed? They needed gold refined in the fire. Why am I thinking he's not really talking about money here? In their textile industry, what was Laodicea noted for? They were noted for and were famous for their black wool. What did Jesus say they needed? He said they needed white clothes, a different standard. What was Laodicea's medical school famous for? They made some eye salve. And Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich in things that matter for eternity. I counsel you to obtain white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness even though you may not realize you stand naked, Jesus says before me. And I want you obtain, to obtain salve for your eyes so you can see what is truly important.
So how does Jesus view what you consider to be your riches? Are your riches really earthly? Or are your riches really heavenly? As far as the textile part goes, are you clothed in white? In other words, are you living according to Jesus' standards or are you living according to the standards of the world? Medically speaking, and they understood this, are you spiritually blind? Do you see things from the world's point of view or do you see things from Jesus' point of view and then live according to his point of view? So, as Jesus seems to be kicking the Laodiceans around, why does he come down particularly hard on them? Verse 19, those whom I love, those whom I love, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Jesus speaks blatantly, honestly, to the Christians in Laodicea because he loves them. He speaks truth to them. Does Jesus need to rebuke or discipline you? Does he need to correct you or instruct you in any part of your life? Do you really want Jesus to love you? Do you really want him to love you enough that if you're screwing up, that he will say to you, you're messing up here? Do we really want him to do that to us or for us? To those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest, be serious, and repent. Turn away from sin. Is this something that you want? Is this something that you need from Jesus? Jesus says to them, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Who is Jesus speaking to here, Jesus is speaking to Christians. Has Jesus lost the relationship with the Christians in Laodicea? I don't know. I don't really think so. But I can promise you that whether he is in or out of relationship with them, he is definitely out of fellowship with them. They're inside. He's outside. He's knocking to come in. Is Jesus inside with you? Are you keeping him at a distance? Are you willing to let him into every room of your house and your life? No, Jesus, you can come into every room in my house except this closet, because this is mine. 
Do you have a place in your life that you don't want Jesus to go in and see and clean out? Do you want to be holy, but only when it's easy to be holy? To the one, Jesus says, who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I, Jesus says, was victorious and sat with my Father on his throne. Jesus loves us enough, and he wants us to have him to be with us and to live in our lives so that we can be winners and victorious with him. We can't do it without him. Review questions, not fun as some of the others have not been fun. Are you cold or hot? Both are good. Hot is you're on fire. Cold, you can be refreshing. Lukewarm? You know if you're lukewarm. You know if there are times when you tend to be when you don't want to cause someone to be upset with you. So I'm not going to be on fire for Jesus or I'm not going to be refreshing other people for Jesus. I'm going to kind of float into this lukewarm place and go along with everybody else. What do your deeds show? Whether you're hot, cold, or lukewarm. The way you and I live most days Does it say that we're hot, cold, or does what we do most days say that we're lukewarm? Do we make Jesus proud, or do we make him go, man, I wish they'd clean up their act? Are you working the American dream? Are you working to get ahead? Oh, I want to do good things with my money, but I want my money first. Or are you wanting to follow the dream that Jesus has for you? Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And when Jesus gave this last comment to these Christians in Laodicea, he is saying to them, are you smart enough to do the right thing? If you would like to discuss anything from this message, when church is over and you leave this room and you go into the lobby, over on the wall, over there, there's a sign that says next steps. And there will be people that if you want someone to pray with you, if you want someone to talk with you, if you want to learn how to become a Christian, if you want to deepen your relationship, if you need to talk with someone, if you want them to pray with you, You and they, not there, can go down the hallway to a private conversation. If you're watching at home and you want to know anything that I've talked about or find out about prayer, someone to pray with you, if you get in touch with us through this information, email address and the church phone number, we will contact you no later than tomorrow. Would you in here... Would you bow your head, please? You can do that at home if you want. Are you hot or cold, or are you lukewarm?
Can Jesus count on you to consistently do the right thing? Not perfectly. Are you living a life of Christian integrity? What's more important to you, Jesus or money? Do you want to stand out in a crowd for yourself or do you want to stand out in a crowd for Jesus? If Jesus is wanting to correct you today, will you actually let him do that? If you will, tell him right now. Give him permission to correct you. What's the first thing Jesus expects from you? Father in heaven, we know that you don't expect us to be perfect. That's why Jesus came. But we know that you expect us to be committed. Father, may we be committed. May we not be ever lukewarm. And may we be the persons that you have crafted us to be, whether that is hot or whether that is cold. May we be to the extremes for you that you can use us and live in us and live through us and make a difference in our lives, our families' lives, and the lives of the people with whom we come in contact. Use us for your work and your kingdom. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.